Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. Welcome to The Sale Ring. Well, that's you a look certainly over better intro than what it was. Although yeah. now we have like triangles or something instead of a big bell. It so it's it sounded like. <laughs> remember the triangle? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A little triangle. Yeah, I'm not, so we had uh, and and we've got on the phone with us, by the way, uh, Pete Reese. Pete, are mm-hmm. you are you with us? I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. happy to be here. So what we're talking about right now is uh, we had for a long time on this. We, there's a company out of the UK that created the intro and the outro for this show. Uh, it was the longest intro was, in the history of podcasts ever. Dang near a three-minute <laughs> intro. We just sat here in silence like, this thing's got to go. We used to come in at 5.30 in the morning and start the intro so we could record a, record a show at noon. You know. But it, it was ridiculous. And uh, so I sent it back to him, and I was like, hey, can you cut about, I don't know, 80% out of this? But So they shortened it up. But when it says the sale ring, it used to sound like a bell in a boxing match. You know, the ding, ding. It was yeah. real loud. Now, if you listen real close, it's like, ring. Yeah, it's, it's, like, like little it's like a little triangle yeah, or something. Music so, I don't know. The awesome. uh, dinner bell. Yeah. It's yeah, a very, very soft <laughs> dinner bell. It, it sounds like a little tiny set of wind chimes mm-hmm. that you may hang from your car mirror. Do you say Mira? Miro. Mira? I don't know. Where are you from again? <laughs> <laughs> Planet Earth. Pete, thanks for joining us on the show. We're a super, super excited about uh, turning profit. We're excited about you uh, be joining us right now and talking about uh, land investing. Um, clearly, you have a, a wonderful handle on this. You're, you're doing a great job. I have checked out your website. I've listened to the podcast, and I'm, uh, I'm starting to be a faithful follower here, man. Well, that that sounds awesome. Well, I really appreciate you having me on the show, and I'm excited to talk about land and, and land flipping, land investing, whatever you guys want to get into. Okay. So let's start out like this. Um, tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, about yourself and how you got into this, because a lot of people either, you know, for one reason or the other, they're never exposed to it, they don't get into it, or they're just intimidated by it. But there's, you know, this is uh, this is an interesting uh, venture for most Americans out there to start land investing. How'd you get into this? You know, I, I've always been interested in real estate, but I've really only gotten involved in this uh, land investing, land flipping side of things in, um, well, the end of 2020 is when I really started uh, diving into it. And then I actually, you know, we, 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 we focus on short-term holds mostly. So we buy properties off market and sell them on market. So our first land flip that we did, we sold was in March of 2021. So really only a couple of years. But before that, I was uh, kind of heavily involved in real estate over the years, kind of off and on. Um, I actually was flipping homes back in the early 2000s uh, with my wife. And uh, then when the market crashed, um, I'm, I live out here in California, and the market crashed pretty severely in 2007, 2008-ish. And then we realized, you know, that's probably not the best time to be in in uh, home flipping because all the buyers dry, dried up. Yeah. So then um, luckily before that, I had actually got my broker's license out here. But just because I was buying properties that were on the market and I was 
you know, I did it. I got my license just so I'd have better access to deals and I'd be able to show properties to myself and write offers myself, all that kind of stuff. But when the market crashed, I was like, well, uh, what can I do with this license and, and still kind of stay involved with real estate? And I just kind of focused on doing foreclosure properties for banks. So I was kind of listing their bank owned inventory because there was a lot of them and that's what was selling at that point. So for a couple of years, I kind of focused on that. It's not the real, real best business to be in. There's a lot of issues in that business and, and uh, a lot of reasons not to like it. But hey, if I, if I can interrupt time. real quick, yeah. when you say bank foreclosures, was was that mostly residential property still or was there a good oh, variety yeah. of yeah, land? These were, yeah, no land. Uh, these were all single family homes. OK. At the time. OK. Um, yeah. And then, I, you know, I got hooked up with a bunch of large investment companies that were buying all the a lot of the properties that, that I would list. And for a while there, I was just kind of finding them deals. So that was kind of my business for a while. Um, got out of real estate altogether for a number of years working on a business with my wife. Uh, she's been kind of heavily involved in the, uh, blogging and travel blogging and those things. And we, we started a whole company that was uh, geared towards teaching people how to do the same thing, you know, uh, and that was kind of an online education business, but I got to, that was great and still is a great business, but we just, I kind of got the itch to get back into real estate. That was always kind of been my passion. And I, I knew I wanted to get back into the investing side of things, but I just didn't really know what the, you know, know what, what direction that was going to take. And I just was reading online, people talking about flipping land. And that kind of appealed to me because I've always liked, buying and selling and kind of identifying value and trying to, you know, wheeling and dealing type things. I always like that type of thing. And that's kind of what the business model is. So um, I kind of went down that rabbit hole, started to learn everything I could about land because I really didn't know much about, you know, the, the specifics of, of how to evaluate land uh, prior to that point. But I learned everything I could and then just kind of dove in my first year in 2021, which is a partial year in land flipping did about, 1.2 million in, in some change in revenue, and that's about a 50% gross profit margin. So we're trying to, in most cases, we're trying to um, double our money on each of those those purchases that we do. So we, you know, if we buy a property for twenty thousand, we try to sell it for forty thousand after all fees and commissions and stuff. Right. So and then 2022 ended up doing about 3.3.5 million, just shy of 3.5 million in revenue, and just shy of the 50% gross profit margin. Uh, but pretty close. And then 2023, looking to do $10 million. So I'll try to scale it up as high as I can. Yeah, very nice. Well, that's great growth, yeah, man. You. Your, your, the, the traction you got right out of the gate is tremendous. Yeah, I, I try to do things big. <laughs> I, can't, I can't sit back and uh, just kind of wait for things to happen. That's kind of my personality. If I'm going to do something, I try to do it, you know. Now, we're looking at... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No um, we're looking at your turning profit 2022 and review report right now. And I'm seeing ah. that um, you you mentioned revenue was around $3.5 million, and that's 69 sales. If you're going to be up in the $10 million, how many sales are you expecting this year? Yeah, I'm going to have to do a lot more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's going, to be a, <laughs> it's going to have to be a combination of doing more, but also doing higher dollar properties yeah, as well increase so that, your that average sales price yeah exactly yeah i think the market will so help you out a little bit there increased sales I prices so. all around <laughs> yeah for sure 
So Pete, let's dive in, um, you know, first, and, and maybe if we, you know, just follow some general hierarchy of, well, first you have to find the properties and then you have to evaluate the properties. Um, you process them and there's an acquisition component, obviously to that. Uh, and then the divestiture, right? So yep. um, I think, uh, I, I think that would be the general principles behind, behind the business. So Let's let's yep. talk a little bit, um, if if you don't mind, about acquisition, about um, well, actually if, targeting the properties first, getting the inquiries of the leads um, before sure. you you have something to evaluate, and how how is that typically handled in your business? What do you find? What strategies have worked well? What strategies maybe don't work so well that were tried and and uh, they were abandoned because they weren't that uh, uh, they they weren't really a good strategy. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's a great place to start because it, that's, that's the whole business really kind of hinges on that acquisition side, you know, getting the leads coming in, getting the potential, getting the deal flow to look at. And we generate a hundred percent of our, at this point, we generate a hundred percent of our business with direct mail. So, and it's not just me sending a letter that says, Hey, I want to buy your property. It's a specific uh, mailer. It's a two piece, two page letter and basically the first page is saying, Hey, why we're contacting them, what we can offer them and, and that type of thing. And then the second page is an actual purchase agreement, a one page pur- purchase agreement with their details about their property, you know, the acreage and the parcel number, the County and state, that type of thing, but also a price along with that. So, and we, we put a price on there that's kind of an aggressive price. But, you know, we're a convenience buyer. We buy cash and we close quickly. And, uh, you know, we're not for everyone, but for certain situations, it definitely makes sense to to deal with a, a company like us. And, um, yeah, so that's that's what we do. That's that's how we generate our, our sales, our, our uh, deal flow is all from direct mail. And, and sending out a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Is there a specific target or, you know, not, and, and we could talk about areas also, but, is there mm-hmm. is there a specific audience? I mean, do you look at age demographics? Do you maybe look at um, you know area like income levels or or more impoverished or poverty areas? I mean, is there is there some recipe to that that uh, because it's you know acquiring database of landowners and just mass communicator mass mailing all of them um, that could get very costly, obviously. And I know you send yeah. out a lot of mailing <laughs> pieces, so. Is there a is there a target out there that you're you're trying to hit? Well, I first start with kind of the general area, but then I, you know, the first thing I'm looking at is the acreage sizes. And at this point, I'm really in most areas. I'm really only mailing properties that are ten acres and above. Some of the you know some of the areas that don't have a lot of large acreage properties, I'll go down to five acres. You know, if they're higher higher value type areas, but uh, but for the most part, that, that's where I start with. Now, some investors get really granular on their list, and they're they're do, going into all these areas, you know, with age demographics, maybe, and how many years they've owned the property, and lots of different things that they kind of filter down. But for me, uh, I've always been more of a, a shotgun type approach rather than the sniper approach. Mm-hmm. So I send out a lot of mail and I'm, I'm, you know what, I'm, for, I'm afraid of missing potential deals. Like I don't, you know, I hate taking someone off my list because I'm like, well, maybe that's, you know, maybe other people are taking them off the list and, yeah. and maybe they want to sell. And, you know, it's just hard for me to know, you know, based off of 
kind of some very gen general demographic type stuff. But I've recently started working with a company too, and uh, I'm experimenting with it. It's a company that they use some AI algorithm to um, determine likelihood of a seller to, you know, to actually sell. So basically I'll send them a huge list and then they trim it down for me, basically, you know, using some standard criteria that probably I'm sure like how long they've owned the property and, and some other things, but they've got some, a uh, bunch of advanced criteria that they supposedly use. And, and hopefully that will produce better lists for me and make my, my mailings more effective. But um, right now, I mean, like, I'm I'm pretty happy with my mailing results, even though I'm doing kind of a broader shotgun type approach. I'm getting, you know, it's costing me about three thousand dollars in mail for every deal that I do. And last year, I think our average was we made on each deal was about twenty two thousand, something like that. Yeah, very good, so, very good. Well, the metrics yeah, work good, there. It's, yeah, it's a good return on investment, and obviously, I'd love to get that down to fifteen hundred per deal, but it doesn't really make a huge difference in the grand scheme of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, a strategy we've used on large mailings before as a company uh, ourselves, when we're doing, you know, just outbound solicitation or maybe project marketing, you know, upcoming events, because I noticed in your 2022 review, uh, it says number of pieces of mail sent was over 730,000. Mm -hmm. So oh, if yes. the unit mm -hmm. cost is a dollar, I mean, that's, um, you know, that's, that's 730,000, even, even if it's 50 cents, you know, per unit, that's still yeah, it's about 50 cents. You know, okay. so yeah. So that's, that's a lot of money. And, and, uh, sometimes money, these yeah. printing companies, if you can forecast, I'm not going to send all of them this month, but over the next 12 months, I'm going to send 750,000 pieces out. You can buy that rate down if you, you know, get in there and, and, uh, you know, can order that order that uh, in yeah. bulk a lot of times with a shipping or with a printing company. So do you find that that works or yeah. do you ever use that strategy? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I definitely, um, I work with a mailing company that, that definitely gives me um, really aggressive rates and I've checked it with a bunch of different companies and they're the best I can find. And, and uh, you know, it, and it's all about the volume, you know, if, if I'm doing lesser volume, the rates not quite as good, but since I'm able to, you know, kind of commit to higher volumes like that, you know, it's, uh, they give me some really good rates. Very good. Lots of mailing going out, a lot of response coming back in. Do you mail people? Yeah. Do you find that you mail people multiple times before you get a response from them? Or is it kind of a one shot and they either respond or don't respond, then I move on to the next area? Yeah, it's for, for me, you know, when we find an area that we really like, we mail that area every three months. And, um, you know, I think it all comes down to timing. You know, someone might get a letter and they might look at it and say, okay, well, that's interesting and throw it in the trash. Mm -hmm. um, There's no immediate need to sell or want to sell or anything like that. Then they might get a, a letter three months later uh, at the same time their property tax bill comes in. And then they think to themselves, you know, why am I paying this property tax all these years? And, I've, you know, I haven't been to the property in 10 years and, you know, who knows what the, what the situation is, but I think a lot of times it does kind of come down to timing and just because the first letter didn't get them at a good time, you know, maybe the third or fourth letter will, so, uh, you know, our, our subsequent mailings, uh, do roughly the same as the first mailing, you know, so it's kind of, 
kind of hard to say, I, you know, but all I know is when we, when we find areas that we like, we just continue to keep, keep mailing those areas because I, I try to build up a little bit of an infrastructure in that area, you know, with a great agent to work with or, um, you know, other resources of title companies or something like that. And, uh, you know, it really helps to, to do repeat business into those areas instead of continually trying to, you know, start from the beginning every time I get a new area. So. After being in real estate for 30 years, something that, that was, I found very interesting is we would receive calls periodically where we had mailed counties um, or areas, uh, landowners in state or out of state for years. And then you get a call one day and uh, the person that's on the phone, uh, one of them that was memorable, she said, I see where my dad has been corresponding with you for the last five years, you know, and she had a letter that was five years old, you know, or a, or a flyer, a postcard. And, and uh, you know, I don't know that we were nor, uh, naturally corresponding with each other, but he was receiving those mailers and that's the, he kept them. And that's the one that she had yeah. pulled out to talk to us about. So. I think that there's definitely, you know, over time can be a residual effect of somebody that they see the persistence and something else that may happen if they're not prepared to sell right now and they're receiving that from you. And then three months, six months, they receive another. Next year, they receive another one. That company's not going away, which means it it's sustainable. You know, it's, yeah. it's a company that's going right. to be there tomorrow. And, okay, well, maybe there is something to this person or to mm-hmm. this company. And I think uh, they, you can buy some equity in that where they, they start to see it's just not a fly-by-night company that hits me up one time and I never hear from them again. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's been happening. You know, like I, I just got, I think it was a couple of days ago, we got a lead from a year ago. And they're like, well, hey, um, is, this, is this offer price still good? And, and obviously, it's, you know, we put an expiration date on our offers, but it's just to try to get people to you know, take action and actually call us. But, but in reality, you know, as, as long as the market hasn't shifted a lot, we're still very interested in buying that property. And um, yeah, so we got a deal lock up that's a letter that I sent a year ago. So I'm sure that's going to accumulate over time. And I'm, I'm excited for that. Well, this is great insight, Pete. And uh, if you don't mind, we're going to slip away and we're going to hear from our sponsors real quick. But when we come back from the commercial break, um, so the letters have went out and now you get an inquiry. Now somebody responds. I'd like for you to be thinking about, you know, what do we do with that inquiry? Like what's the next steps and how do you move it forward? We'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Pete Reese. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. 
Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out auctiontime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at auctiontime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. Auctiontime.com. The way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. And we're back in the studio today with Pete Reese of Turning Profit. Uh, Pete's talking to us about um, the acquisition, targeting, acquiring land tracks, reselling those land tracks, and that has become a very profitable business for him. So, Pete, before we uh, before we slipped away to the sponsor break, <clears throat> we talked a little bit about um, how you target properties and and um, sellers that may be interested in potentially divesting of their properties. So let's say that the mailers went out and now you have a phone call or you get communication back and said, hey, I received your letter, I received your postcard, whatever the mailing piece was, and uh, we are interested in possibly selling this property to you. What's generally yeah. the next step? How's that conversation unfold? Yeah. So basically at this point, I'm, I'm not doing the conversations myself because I've built up a, a team to kind of help me with that side of things. Um, but I've got, uh, I've got two acquisition managers that work for me and basically they go through a uh, standard list of questions. That's kind of the first thing, you know, we try to get a little bit more information about the property that itself. And depending on what the situation is, sometimes people, have some great information. Sometimes they've got zero information if they inherited the property or they've never been there, something like that. So, in either situation, it really doesn't um, doesn't matter too much. I mean, we've got a call. First of all, we've got our first layer is we've got a twenty four hour call answering service, mm-hmm. um, and they basic their job is to basically, you know, kind of filter out you know people that are interested in selling versus people that are maybe just upset that I sent them a low offer or something like that. So the ones that are actually interested in selling then go to my acquisition team. And, uh, and that's when they start, you know, just going through some basic questions that we ask, you know, like, um, you know, how long have you owned it? Are you the only property? Are you the only owner on the property? You know, asking some open-ended questions as well. What can you tell me about the property? So things like that can kind of open up, uh, the conversation into a lot of different directions and can lead to other follow-up questions that we need to ask. But generally, um, you know, from that initial conversation, then we look at the property in depth. You know, we've got a number of um, tools that we use to kind of get a really good idea of, of the property itself. You know, we use a, a program called MapRite. Oh, yeah. And MapRite, you can, yeah, yeah, MapRite is great because you can look up so much information about the property just from your you know, yeah. just from your, your desk or wherever you're at. And uh, so, we, you know, 80 to 90 percent of a property, we can figure it out just by looking at that and, and a couple other things. But uh, and then we just check online generally for comps and, you know, make sure we're where we need to be as far as value goes. And then if all looks good, then we, you know, we go forward with with the purchase. And from there, it kind of kicks off a whole due diligence process for us. And, and that due diligence process is, you know, I've got team members that kind of help me with that as well. But 
you know, we're doing, well, first of all, we're closing all of our deals through uh, an attorney title company, escrow company, depending mm-hmm. on what's uh, the standard for the state. And, uh, you know, we're getting title insurance. So that there's that part of it. Uh, then we also send out someone on the ground to actually walk the property, take pictures, take drone photos and video, that type of thing. Um, and another part of our process is we always try to find a good agent or broker to work with kind of on the ground. And, uh, you know, the one that will ultimately be listing the property for us. But as part of that due diligence process, we'll, we'll always loop them in and kind of ask them their opinion on the property as well and what they think that they can resell it for uh, after we close on it. Um, but, you know, uh, we, we take kind of all that stuff and, you know, basically we know if we want to buy a property right, right from the beginning there. The due diligence is basically about trying to uncover red flags. Yeah. You know, if there's something about the property that's kind of a deal breaker or something that uh, maybe substantially decreases the value of the property, those are the types of things that we try to dig up during that process. But, you know, most of the times we don't run into any of those red flags, but sometimes we do. You know, I had, had a property recently where, you know, everything looked great. And then we got the title report back and there was something recorded on that property from the 50s where they had registered it as a, is it, it as a landfill site oh, you know yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, you know obviously it didn't look like a landfill nothing on the site looked like a landfill but they had obviously dug a big hole and probably dumped a bunch of trash in there and covered it up and you know so that type of thing is a red flag to me because i don't want to buy a liability you know yeah, yeah. i'm looking by assets not, not liabilities and something like that would be a big liability oh huge yeah you don't know what the potential of that is uh And and there's a lot of those around the country. You know, there are people that had an area or a farm at one time where um, there was one just north of my house. And and I grew up in a town in western Oklahoma of about four or five hundred people. Two blocks north of my house out the middle of this field was uh, kind of the city dump. Uh, There was a huge hole out there and people could just go and dump, you know, old ovens and refrigerators and couches and just whatever you needed to get rid of. And then at some point, over probably twenty plus years, uh, they um, they just they went out and just covered it all up. They buried it and, and uh, packed it yeah. packed it with dirt. And it's uh, they figure the ground will take care of it over time. <clears throat> yeah. And I was going to ask you that question. So you get a call from somebody and you're going through that that process. We also use MapRite, and it's yeah. amazing how mm. far mapping technology has came. To where you can oh, yeah. do just serious, uh, in-depth visual inspections of properties. But those maps are not always, you know, today or last week, or, or they don't catch everything out there. Do you still have somebody do a site inspection before you purchase a property? Yep, 100% of the time. Yep, we always have, you know, normally our go-to is that we'll hire a photographer to go out and walk the property. And photographers that kind of specialize in this type of thing property inspections, not just, you know, uh, a portrait photographer or something. But yeah. um, So they'll, they'll go out to the property and we give them a, a list of shots that we want to get. But part of it is also them actually walking the property and writing up a little report about the property for us and also doing some drone photography and drone video as well. So kind of dual purposes there. We, we like to have that stuff so we can then give that to the agent so he, he or she can then use it as a you know, in their marketing, if they want, um, we're trying to remove all the friction from the process, basically. Um, and then also, 
you know, just to kind of dig up any potential issues that you can't see from those satellite images. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that would be an important component because the satellite images a lot of times tend to around uh, creek channels or, or drainage or river, you know, tributaries. Uh, the timber tends to cover a lot of things up that may be uh, hidden in those. And, and you walk out there and find that, you know, it's, it's full of uh, old car batteries and yeah. stuff tires. that's been, <laughs> stuff that's been thrown in there yep. for 40 or 50 years. And it's like, well, I didn't see that on the map. Drums of who knows what. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My, uh, my brother and I own an oil and gas marketing company. And uh, we have, <clears throat> over the years, we have done similar things where we've purchased farms and I would like to talk to you about this because now you're going in, you're, you're in acquisition mode and you make a decision. Actually, before we get in that, because I, I, want, to, I want to keep this in sequence, you're going to make an offer on the property. And yeah. I think I'd read on your website or a website that um, a target a lot of times for acquisition could be somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 50% of retail. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah, our, our benchmark is to always try to double our money on our deals. Um, but in order to make that happen, uh, we've got to we've got to also give um, you know. So when we go to resell a property, we don't want to be priced at you know at, at retail or above retail. We want to be priced slightly below retail, so yeah. our property is going to sell first. Quick turnaround, you know, so right. we that's, yeah. yeah, we want to sell properties quickly. And then also, you know, we've got to account for closing costs on both sides. So we've got the purchase closing costs, but then we've also got resale closing costs, which which normally include the commission as well. So because mm-hmm. we use agents and brokers to resell our properties. So the acquisition closing cost normally is a little cheaper than the the selling or divestiture closing costs because you have an agent yep. commission uh, helping to uh, remarket and sell that property on the back end. That's right. Yeah. And, and we're not uh, cheap on our commissions either. We always pay 10% commissions on the resale side because we want um, we want to ve- develop great relationships and we want our brokers and agents to want to work for us and we want to be their best client. Yeah. So, you know, we, we try to make it a win-win, you know. Well, with that kind of a commission, you'll you'll attract uh, a lot of prominent brokers would love to go to work for you because yeah. that's, that's a nice commission. <laughs> I, I love think. it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So the... Uh, the property's acquired 30, 50%. You're looking at doubling the money. You're at or just below retail price so that the days on the market and days setting in your inventory, uh, you want to shorten that up and, and have a quick turnaround as fairly as possible. Yep. When you get ready to, uh, to do that, to divest of it, have you, have you considered or are you utilizing separating some of the asset classes of a property um, and, and just diversification. So, for example, um, my brother and I have bought farms before in areas where oil and gas production, or it may be on the fringe of oil and gas production, we would sever the mineral rights, and that's a marketable asset from the surface. And in some cases, maybe sell the wind rights, the air rights, if there's air construction starting to go on in that area. So we're creating more opportunity out of that one acquisition than just the outright sale of the land with the air rights, with the minerals, all inclusive the way we bought it. I like it. I mean, I haven't done that yet, and I've thought about doing that on certain properties, but I haven't, um, but probably something I should be looking into. 
Well, and we can have that conversation if uh, if you want. Maybe that's uh, that may be a conversation for another day. But much like the data yeah. you're receiving on your land and doing your due diligence, a lot of the oil and gas data uh, from drilling permits and counties and areas where they're being filed and where the major plays or minor plays are, oil and gas plays in the U.S., it's easy to find that stuff. So you can kind of yeah. put yourself into territories or areas where that may increase the opportunity for that. And that uh, that sounds like a, maybe another show topic. We can yeah. talk about that. Yeah, really. I like it. <laughs> I love it. Did we ask you already what, what areas you're most active in? Yeah, for, uh, up until this point, my, my most active areas have been kind of the whole eastern seaboard, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much down from New York down to Florida, that whole range there, and and slightly inland from there as well, you know, some of those uh, inland type states. But but really, I, you know, part of my thing this year is I, I don't want to limit myself to just those areas. I want to expand well beyond them. So uh, I'm recently just started putting a focus on trying to build lists in other areas and seeing which areas they get momentum and really started starting to try to get hold uh you know a hold in, in many different spots just not the, not the east coast but i've done pacific northwest as well and i've done california a little bit but um but for the most part has been the, the east coast that's where the bulk of our businesses come from is but there a specific reason is there a specific reason why a guy from California targets the other coast across the United States? <laughs> I was wondering the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'm from Pennsylvania originally. So I grew oh, up in is. Pennsylvania yep. and then I went to college there. And then after college, I moved out here to, to, uh, to California. But um, so I, I'm very familiar with those areas. So I don't know. I guess it just felt comfortable to me. And, you know, I just started kind of sending some outreach to those areas and then i started getting some momentum and that's just kind of what what kept me in those areas to this point but i know in order to scale past in order to scale the way i want to scale i need to develop a lot more regions where we do have a great foothold in right and i'm sure the east coast is a a little different uh market wise than the west coast is anyway so as far as price and models and things so a lot easier a lot easier to do business that's for sure yeah yeah but well being from pennsylvania that makes a lot more sense now you know as far as the east coast yeah you know i've been all up and down the east coast over my life and different you know at different times and i lived in different areas and things too you know but um but uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's interesting with the technology these days and AppRite and and everything at our fingertips now on our computers. It, it doesn't really matter. I mean, for the most part, I'm, I'm even if it was in California here, I probably wouldn't be going out to see the property. Yeah. Um. So it really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So you've got the property purchased. Um, you you have uh, you've made the offer and the offer's accepted. And the thing I think sounds like is appealing to most people is it's it's kind of hands free. It's a real quick turnaround, quick close. It's a cash sale. Um, you yep. know, there's not uh, there's not a lot of hair on it for the seller, and not a lot of to dos for them. It's just let's just bring the right. title to date and we're ready to buy it. So that's right. Now that yeah, you that's, that's the, you. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, we're a convenience buyer. So, you know, we, we, we make it as easy as possible. We do what we say we're going to do. And uh, we just try to make it simple. Mm-hmm. Now we've got the property bought, Pete. What is the, what's the next steps as far as repositioning that property and putting it back on the market? 
Yeah. So um, as as we're going through the purchase um, process to, towards the latter part of it, you know, we're, we're just kind of coming up with a little bit of a strategy. Uh, we might consider doing some minor value add stuff to the property. It just depends. Each property is different and each situation is different. So we're always looking at the properties and saying, okay, is, is there anything we could do that's kind of a, a value add to this property? It won't take a lot of time. Maybe it won't take a lot of money, but will increase the value of the property you know, on, on the retail market. So it could be stuff like, depending on the area, it could be stuff like, getting some brush cleared, you know, getting paths cut through the forest. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be uh, getting a survey done. It could be getting a perk test done. It could be, you know, uh, just, just a number of different things like that. But we try to look at those kind of minor value add things that might have a big impact. And if they, and if we do um, identify that we could do something like that, we'll, we'll get that done. You know, sometimes we'll do minor subdivisions as well. And, you know, buying a hundred acre property and splitting it up into five 20 acre properties or something like that, you know, when, when it makes sense and when it's in an area where that's actually easy to do mm -hmm. in California, that would not be easy to do, but a lot of these other States is, is very simple. Yeah. Um, so, um, I yeah, find the closer, I find the closer you get into urban markets, the more difficult that is to do. Mm -hmm. If you stay out yes. in rural America, it's much, much simpler. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So, you know, and then, um, so we're just looking at that and, you know, sometimes there's, there's nothing, you know, that we can really identify in order to kind of improve the value of the property. We just are, are just listing it right away with the, with the broker or agent and, and going from there. So our quickest hold time we've ever done, I think was 11 days on a property where we were actually going to get some brush cleared on the property, but the, the company that was, going to be doing that was so backed up that I was like, well, I don't want to wait around. Let's just, let's just put it on the market and see what happens. And and then we, we found a buyer right away and they closed in about seven days uh, after, wow. after getting under contract. So, you know, those types of things happen. Um, but, uh, you know, our average hold time really is uh, averaging all of our properties together is uh, 75, 75 days. days. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Well, that's uh, that's not a bad turnaround time. I mean, it's uh, I, I've had this conversation with investors before, and and from acquisition to divestiture, you know, a ninety day time time period. That's a reasonably short turnaround time. So yeah. if you're if yeah. you're flipping I mean, those in seventy five, yeah, if you're flipping those in seventy five days on average out there, you definitely have the model and the machine to support that, where uh, things are working efficiently for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we always have those ones that maybe, maybe I paid too much for them, or maybe I thought there was going to be more interest on the market than there actually was. So we've got some that kind of skew that number, you know, to the longer side, but then we've got a lot of them that end up selling right away and quick and cash as, you know, as quickly as, as the escrow or attorney can get the thing closed on the resale side. So it all averages out, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that number. And I'll always strive and keep that number down because, the quicker we can turn these properties, the the more return on, on my investable dollars I have. So um, I, lo I love moving things quickly for sure. How many how many properties do you have right now that are in the process today? Well, at a let time, me I let me look that up. <laughs> how many that we how many do we own, or how many do we are we have an under under contract to buy, or yes, <laughs> both. Okay, uh, okay how many are okay. in your pipeline today? Okay. Well, all right. So let's see, I've got uh, 20 properties that are on the market to, to be sold. I've got 
eight properties that are under contract to be resold. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've got 27 properties that I'm under contract to buy. Wow. So I I think you're going to make your goal this year. Sounded like, yeah, I'm trying, trying to make it happen. I'm going to have to, I'm, I am making a big push to buy as many properties as, as I can right now. I'm, I always am that way, but I'm really, really trying to push as, as much as I can. And, uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a interesting thing too, because in this business, your inventory, your, the, the value of your inventory actually will start to snowball over time as well. You know, if you mm-hmm. can put these properties in, you know, 75 days, on average, um, and you're making those kind of returns, then your inventory value, like the the amount of properties that we own that are free and clear, have, have been have really skyrocketed over time. So, which, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, you've definitely came into it at the right time. I mean, yeah. the the way the market was yeah. moving uh, in that direction and trending upward, it, it was an excellent time to enter uh, this this model, enter this business. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So Pete, we'll just do a recap here and we'll, we'll put people onto the website. I mean, that sounds like, uh, what do we miss before we kind of do the wrap up here? I mean, you, you are, are targeting, you're, you're notifying people. There's an opportunity for them. Uh, you get a response, you're engaging in the conversation. They're open to it. You settle on the price. It's uh it's a quick, real clean close, you know, kind of, uh, hands-free and, and very easy for them. Uh, then you reposition the property, whether that is a light subdivision or some brush clearing or just some capital improvements on the property. It goes back on the market. You divest of it. And uh, if, if the if the machine works like it's supposed to, you double or more your money uh, on that property. That's right. Um, keep them going, but this has been, this has been a great podcast show because you just took the listeners through the process, start to finish and gave them some wonderful insight into some of the considerations and even challenges that, uh, you know, you, you have to uh, contend with if you're going to get into this profession. And the one thing that I'd like to wrap up with here is the 2022 and review. So if you haven't checked out the website, it's very easy to find. It's turningprofit.com. That's turningprofit.com. Look at the 2022 in review, the year in review, $3.5 million in revenue, $1.5 million in gross profits, 69 sales. Uh, the average deal, the average uh, gross profit per deal is over $22,000. They're holding these properties 75 days on average or less, and they're mailing out, you know, 730,000 mailers are going out the door to feed the machine, to fuel the machine. So uh, transparency on your website is one thing. I, I think a lot of people are very covetous of their yeah. business practices. They just, they, they don't like to share. And um, we're very fortunate. Our CEO in here is a guy that he, he kind of taught me this when I came to work here. And he said, Sean, there's so much business on this mm-hmm. planet and in this country. Yeah. He said, nobody could ever scratch the surface on one hundredth of one percent of the business you know it's just there's so much for everybody the pie is immense so he said share and uh you know we we go out and spend two or three million dollars on a technology platform and dan's an open book he'll tell you all about it and he said yeah just get your checkbook out and write a three million dollar check you can have one too they're they're out there (laughs) but the reality is is you're very very transparent and very giving um and what i heard on your podcast show what i'm seeing on your website 
Uh, Pete Reese is a guy that uh, believes that there's plenty of properties out there for everybody. He's showing you what he's doing and uh, what yeah. you're doing is working well, my friend. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. And that's, that's my whole mindset. That's my thing. You know, I'm, I'm the, from the abundance side of things, you know, I just think that there's a, I, I don't, I don't concern myself one second with, uh, you know, with, with any sort of scarcity type thing. So there's more than enough business to go around for everyone. And it, it's kind of, this business model has really changed my life and my family's life um, for the, for the better. And I figure by putting that transparency out there, maybe it'll help some other people as well. So well, I, I don't see how it couldn't. Uh, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, they go to the Turning Profit website, uh, filling out that um, the name and address form on there. Is that is that the right way, the best way to, to reach yeah. out to you if they yeah, have that's questions? How, that's Exactly, yeah. That's how you get on my email list. I've got a thing on there where it's the 51st deals that we did. I broke down every single one of those deals, like what we bought it for, what we sold it for, how much profit we made, notes on each of those properties. But if you give your your name and email there, that's uh, that's uh, a good place to start. But I also just started a land flipping community as well. People that are interested in this business model, learning how to do it and that type of thing. So I've got a link on the website there as well. And then uh, just click that button. It'll take you over to that community. And then you can you can direct message me there as well because I'm in there hanging out and answering questions or, you know, trying to just be part of the community. So it's really been something uh, really cool that's been you know, we just started that at the beginning of this year and it's already, you know, got, I don't know, 600 members or something like that. So it's, it's really taken off. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Outstanding. Well, I'm looking at the button right now. It says, join our free land flipping community. Ladies and gentlemen, fill out the form on turningprofit.com. Scroll down and join the land flipping community. Uh, Start following Pete. Start following uh, what they're doing over there because it's not only impressive. uh, The results are um, outstanding. They're tremendous and and they have uh, they've got the recipes. So I would encourage you to learn from this, uh, especially when you find a giving individual like this absolutely reach out to him and pete trina and i want to thank you for being on the podcast this is uh has been wonderful well thank you both i really really appreciate uh, being on here and it was a great conversation it's, it's always fun when you, you when you get people asking you questions that kind of really understand <laughs> really understand things so i think we were able to get into some pretty cool stuff today Yes, sir. Well, we'll look forward to uh, our next interaction with you. And ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up this episode. We'll look forward to talking to you next time inside the sale ring. Thank you for joining us for today's show. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. We appreciate your feedback and encourage you to share the show with other industry pros like yourself. Join us next time as we meet you inside The Sale Ring.